Motiversity family, it's Marcus Taylor. And I want to thank you for tuning in to the Motivation Daily Podcast by Motiversity, one of the top 50 podcasts in the world. If you enjoy listening to Motiversity and this podcast, you need to download the Mindset Daily Motivation app. On it, you'll gain access to thousands of motivational speeches, including Motiversity's and mine. And now, with the new Mindset Alarm feature, you can start each day with purpose, waking up to powerful audios like this one. You may be average, you may be ordinary, but you have the opportunity every single day to make extraordinary decisions. And what you do today will determine your future. To download Mindset, just go to MindsetApp.com or search for Mindset Daily Motivation on the Apple or Google Play Store and listen to motivational speeches while getting ready for the day. Click the link to download Mindset now and get ready to transform your life. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Sarah Wen is a first-generation Vietnamese-American activist and entrepreneur. And she's on a mission to change the future of specialty coffee. Just going back to your background, in addition to be a journalist, you majored in ethnic studies at UC Berkeley. You studied with the historian Ron Takaki. Um, and then you went on to produce content for NBC Asian America. She's opening eyes one cup of coffee at a time. Take a look at this. I started noticing Vietnamese iced coffee popping up as a trend on a lot of cafe menus around 2016. And this was also um, around the time of like Vietnamese food and culture was having a really big moment in mainstream America. We're seeing the emergence of like so many more first generation owned and operated Vietnamese restaurants, right? So we're definitely seeing this cultural wave grow um, quickly around 2016. However, Every time I would order the Vietnamese iced coffee at one of the specialty cafes, they were never using actual Vietnamese coffee beans. And I knew this because I would ask the barista what's in this drink and they'd say, oh, it's our house Brazilian or our house Ethiopian. And we add sweetened and milk to it. 
So I thought this was really interesting and, and problematic for many reasons. One, when, when we do that, we're rendering the actual producers invisible, you know, whether they're Ethiopian producers or Brazilian producers. Why, why can't we just call it Ethiopian coffee with sweet condensed milk, right? Um, in an industry that prioritizes transparency, right? You think that that's what they would do to give credit to where um, it's, it's due. I was so blown away to learn that Vietnam is actually the second largest producer of coffee in the world, right? And I didn't know this. And I feel like most people I've spoken to since were also like, I didn't know that, right? And I was like, wow, how do I not know this as a Vietnamese person, right? As a Vietnamese American. And this led me to feel like, oh, because of lack of transparency and lack of visibility and lack of representation. Because instead of like, for some parts of the world, people can say, oh, this is a Colombian coffee. But for some reason, that value of transparency is not being applied to Southeast Asia as a region or Vietnam as a region, right? So there's a huge level of hypocrisy happening here of like who we determine is deserving of that, of that value of transparency. So lack of transparency, lack of visibility, lack of representation. These are all things that I felt um, in my life as an individual growing up, right? And so even though Vietnam is a major contributor to coffee experiences around the world, Vietnam has essentially been rendered invisible in the global coffee conversation, where we are not calling out this is a product or this product contains coffee beans from Vietnam. It's simply coffee, right? So it was such a... Then when I was kind of like working through all of these realizations, I was like, wow, this is such a missed opportunity for culture connection and appreciation and in more than anything for people at the end of the supply chain to have an opportunity to elevate, have agency, have respect and recognition and to have a chance to advance their livelihoods, right? The coffee industry has developed this narrative that Arabica beans are superior and Robusta beans are inferior, which is simply not true because the, what makes it great, what makes it superior or inferior or good coffee or bad coffee is not inherent to the qualities of the bean. It's, um, it's dependent on the production of the coffee, right? And so even though Arabica has been hailed as like the specialty coffee variety, there's also poorly grown Arabica around the world, right? And so this level of care that we've seen um, through the specialty coffee industry to elevate Arabica varieties around the world was not being offered to Robusta beans, but more specifically to Robusta farming communities. Part of our mission is to break down this really elitist um, culture of coffee, which says this is good and this is bad coffee. For me, when I built my business, especially in the very beginning, I didn't have the blueprint. I didn't have the entire roadmap. I had no idea what it looks like, honestly, but I just stayed really focused on what is the next step you need to achieve to get yourself to that next step, right? And that's how I approach building business. I feel like sometimes um, we can get overwhelmed when we're like, I don't know the whole picture. I don't have the whole plan. I've always entered, um, you know, a project or a business without having the whole plan. And I think that's really key to getting started and really key to figuring things out. So just like a puzzle, like I would just look for like that next puzzle piece that I needed to just capture and lay down. And once I picked it up and I laid it down, I connected it to what I was doing and I figured out what the next piece of the puzzle I needed was, then I would move on to that next piece, right? And so 
that's how I've approached building the business from going from idea to action. And so uh, to be more specific, I had this idea and I was like, well, what is the very first thing I need? I was like, I need to see if I can actually import coffee beans, right? I need to see if I can develop a direct trade relationship with a producer. And so I went to Vietnam and I visited my family and I asked my family, does anybody know anybody? And they're like, oh, you do. And like, they helped me strike up that first relationship. The next question was like, well, how do I bring coffee beans here? I start asking Google, how do you bring coffee beans to the United States? How do you import? And then Google tells you, well, you need this, you need to register the FDA, you need a customs broker, you need a freight forwarder. And then I'm like, what is a freight forwarder? And then you Google a freight forwarder, right? That's literally how I built the business. Um, I just asked a lot of questions. I asked Google a lot. I focused on finding one piece of the puzzle at a time. Once I found that piece, I'd lay it down and look for that next piece until eventually I had my first pallet here, I had my bags here, I had everything ready to go, I had a website up, I had photos, and then I had a launch party. I did lots of random gigs, whether it was freelancing as a writing counselor for college essays, copywriting, writing articles, I did some, some hospitality work. I was just like classic, brand new to New York, doing a million jobs. I actually interned for you know at a, at a place in New York City in the beginning for free for no pay just to kind of build my network and um, meet people and after doing that for about six months um, you know I I eventually started getting freelance gigs they're all very very small you know I also worked I worked I've worked in the service industry since I was in high school as a server and a host so I also did that on the side during those first few years post-college where I was working for another company full-time I really built a structure um, around my work life where I could dedicate my time off the clock to building my creative career. So as soon as I was like, quote unquote, off the clock at 5 p.m. at my daytime job or whatever, I'd go straight into developing my creative projects. And my creative projects included, um, you know, writing poetry or making chapbooks or making digital content or, you know, making new websites. Like I really treated my creative career during those years as like my second job at just as if anyone would have like a double ship. I think for people who, you know, want to have a creative side hustle or they want to transition from like their day job to like a full-time creative career, just having the discipline to building out like what does that transitional period look like. Some of the lessons that I learned from my first restaurant business was to get really clear on, on why you're doing something was to get really clear on what you're doing and why you're doing something. And when it's no longer working, we have to reevaluate, right? I think there were lots of moments in my restaurant journey where things weren't really working and I felt like um, I didn't want to let it go. Have really clear boundaries with the people that you work with, um, especially if, you, if they're your business partners, right? Um, in small businesses, we tend to have really intimate relationships and we're really in a lot of like the trenches together. However, remember why you're in a relationship in the first place, which is the business. So it's really important to put the needs of the business first. To not take things personally. Um, this was, I had that business in my 20s. Um, I'm a very different person now. I've had a lot of time to reflect and I think when things don't go 
you know, the way I wanted them to or the way I expected them to, I would often take it personally. And this relates to what I was just saying of like, in, in business, it's, it's never personal, right? In business, it's always about what is the best thing for the greater collective here, which is everyone involved in the business, not just one individual. Like being in my 20s, especially the part when I was in New York City and I was freelancing and, you know, New York has like such this like energy of like, you're, we're all out here hustling, we're all trying to make it, right? I, I was like really engulfed in the energy a lot and I think I felt like really, I felt like I was rushing a lot in my 20s, like rushing to make it or like rushing to prove something of myself or rushing to have something to show for myself, right? So if I could, some of, you know, a piece of advice I give my 20 year old self is don't be in a rush, you know, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process, enjoy everything you're going through um, because it goes by really quickly, right? And, and then it gets a lot harder. So yeah, that's what I'd say. Don't be in a rush. 